This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Braintree. If you're working on a mobile app and searching for a simple payment solution, check out Braintree. To learn more, and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com slash supertrain and buy Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code supertrain at checkout to get 10% off Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. I feel loose. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. I feel like a long-necked goose. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever felt like that. Really? The uh, you know the the way you measure looseness is uh, on a scale of gooseness. Zero to goose. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I never thought of that. I wonder what kind of animal I'd be if you were feeling loose. I was feeling loose. I'm thinking maybe like a like a sloth. You know, hmm. just, just because it just seems it seems very laid back. Sloth. A sloth seems loose. Yeah. I could see but myself not, being a goose. Not as loose as a long necked goose. Mm-mm-mm-mm. That's the standard of high looseness. You sound good. You sound. You see, your voice is very full. Oh, uh, more fuller than can be accounted for by my microphone setup. Hmm. Always sounds. Always sounds full. I, I. I got a new mic. I'm still getting used to it. How do you like it? I think I like it. It's unfortunately, I think it. It, it sounds bigger, but it brings out a range of my voice that I can't hear very well. Like I got that Bob Mool problem. You know. Mm, elaborate. Right. Oh, well, you know, it's a problem you probably should have, but I think I've lost some part of the range of hearing accounted for by very loud electric guitars and Mm. female voices. Mm. So, yeah, you've got a little you've got a little V-shaped divot there. That's one thing like when I would go back, like I really like the Sugar albums, but when you listen to them, they reflect the production of somebody who kind of can't hear mids very well. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I do. I do. I deal with it all the time, all the time. A lot of my people... <clears throat> cannot hear the mid range, especially the kind of the high mid. And do you account for that by uh, rock shows, or would you say you lost more hearing listening to loud music on headphones or speakers? Mm, I think it was mostly from rehearsals, from band rehearsals, mm-hmm. like two or three nights a week of having an orange amp in my face during a time when it was understood that you needed the biggest amp you could afford, right. And you need, and everybody in the band agreed that they needed the biggest amps they could afford. It's, you know, it's funny when you put it that way. I mean, the, the uh, you know, I don't know. One of the guys, the other guitar player, main guitar player in the band, was kind of a, a gear nut. So he was always getting new things. But he mostly played with an orange half stack. And I always had some kind of janky, you know, portable amp just mic'd up. But you know, for most situations on stage, you just don't need. You know, we all grew. I think part of it is we came up with stuff like Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And and so you you will remember a time in the eighties where what you wanted was a Marshall stack mm-hmm. that you needed. What is it like two four ten cabinets and a, and a JCM head like, four twelve cabinets four twelve yeah. like who who needs that? I mean who who really needs that? Well, you know we believed that all the way through the nineties, um, and I, looking back at it, I don't really understand because I, and the thing is I. I I was there. I remember very distinctly feeling like my 120 watt um, Sound City head through a 412 cabinet was like the bare minimum of what I needed to perform. To that's per- just your that's just your traveling gear. Yeah, to perform <laughs> unsalted butter in a room for 350 people, and later 
I traveled with a 15 watt amp, right? And uh, and still had sound men in far, far flung places say like, "Can you turn the guitar down a little bit?" Like, I, I don't know. It was a it was a mass delusion. I went on, I went on that first tour that the Western State Hurricanes did with Death Cab for Cutie back in 1999. I took a a Fender Pro Reverb, which is a 35 watt 212 amplifier. Oh, God, what's that way? Uh, I mean, it's heavy, and it's also, I mean, they're wonderful, wonderful amps, but I routinely felt like I was underpowered, couldn't hear myself on stage, tipped the amp back in order, you know, pointing it right at my head so that I could, so that I could monitor myself. And it's like, what was, it was a, it was a, a collective insanity where i was standing up there thinking to myself this is this is an impossibly small amp and i only brought it on tour because we didn't have room for the full rig and now i'm at a disadvantage here with only 35 watts and it's nuts it's bananas but but because you're because you're you're if you're in a situation where you're not trying to i mean this isn't like the, the era of cream where the, I guess the conventional wisdom that I've heard is that one thing that made Cream big was that they could fill the auditorium with their sound, but also that it was the first time the PAs were getting pretty good. Mm-hmm. So you could play loud, and you could they could hear you, and you could hear yourself, and that was supposedly a, a technology of the oh, time. Well, that, I mean, the original idea, of course, right, was that <clears throat> there you didn't mic the amplifiers into the PA. The PA was struggling just to get your voice loud enough. And so if you wanted your guitar to be heard in the back of the auditorium, you needed a big amp to, to fill the space. But by the time I came along, the, I mean, it wasn't like PAs are a thousand times better now. That's a technology that has evolved with leaps and bounds. PA, PA equipment is so much better now than it was when I was starting out. And yet, even then, it was more than loud enough to get a, you know, like to mic a small amp and especially for like a club or like you know for a playing in yeah. a bar. Yeah, it's my funny, understanding though. is that Neil Young has been playing through a five watt amp for the last forty years, <laughs> and he he has all those amps on stage. He does have that one super big amp that he only turns on sometimes, but most of his tone is coming from like a like a Fender Champ behind a curtain. <laughs> you could put that in a station wagon. That's how I understand it. The, yeah, it, but it's all—it's funny. Like I don't want to overstate this because I don't—I don't have a strong feeling about this. But it's a little bit like I remember having this feeling where the other guy in the band had had this—he always had much better equipment than me. He had more money and access, and he cared more. So he was always getting like, you know, new Gibsons. He you know get a new Dan Electro, get a new whatever. But you know, he always he always had great great amps. So I at one point had settled into I had a. I think a, I want to say a Sobtech head with this little crummy old Gibson amp that I was using as a quote unquote cabinet, but like it was dinky on stage. It was on a chair, and it didn't feel. Again, I don't want to overstate this. I don't want to make this strictly a penis thing. But like if one one or two guys in the band have like a giant like a like what's that cool bass amp custom? Like what are those big cushy, uh, you know, like the the big bass amps that have like the padding on them? Is that yeah, you would. Those are custom amps. Yeah. I, would, I, I would I would hesitate to call them. I mean, they're very cool looking. Right, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they were super. But they cool look stuff. good. It looks oh, like look it looks crazy. very rock and roll. Yeah, to have something that looks like a, a cross between a cabinet and a, and a couch. And I've got this, you know, little Galen Kruger size thing on a chair. It just what the, <laughs> didn't have the same visual visual impact. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but the, the Galen Kruger is a funny example because when that came, when the I remember first hearing one of those at 
at Thoroughbred Music in what eighty five, eighty six, mm. and there were like these little these little amps that like could produce such such a range and such a great amount. I'm not saying it's like the greatest amp in the world, but like you know, I, I think it didn't it didn't sell with the rock and roll guys because it just didn't look impressive enough. You know, all of this knowledge that we have of eighties and nineties. And in some cases, 70s and 60s and 50s, guitar and bass and vocal and drum amplification and technology, all this knowledge is just useless now. Or yeah. it's like, it feels, it feels so, <laughs> like the, I, an entire room in my brain is taken up with shelf after shelf after shelf just like the Matrix, except instead of machine guns, it's just shelves and shelves of mm. knowledge about our guitar arcana that I spent so much time thinking about. And, and, and now is it lost like tears and rain. Well, like, what am I supposed to do with it I now? I know. I mean, I, there was a time a when I, there was a t- I usually played, sometimes I play with one distortion pedal. For a while, I played with two <laughs> distortion pedals. And for a time, I had three. Whoa. And I could tell, well, I could tell you, well, I had like the dis- distortion Okay, but I could explain why. Yes, I could of explain why the the the. the uh, you were the, just the, about to explain the, why. Well, the fuzz box and the rat, mm-hmm. and the uh, and the cool little uh, oh, what was the little orange pedal where you could simulate feedback? Oh, what was that called? Feedback uh, simulator. Yeah, but I mean, it was it was a pretty cool distortion pedal, and if you held it, it made a really obnoxious fake uh, feedback sound. But if they were wait, all for you different held it things. In your hand? No, no, it was a, it was a it was a stomp box. It was made by. Oh, I see. If you if you put your foot on it and held it, it down, a, I think it was a Roland pedal. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, but it was a pretty okay. Like it was probably third hand distortion box. But but everybody, I could explain. Circa nineteen ninety eight, like they were all for different reasons, and you would use them differently together. And like everybody who like cared about like having a guitar sound would go, oh yeah, well, I'm not just going to use always use the built-in distortion on the amp. I mean that's kind of muddy and weird. But with this, I could use this fuzz like this big it was a big like Russian was a big muff is that what it's called? Not so, a big muff, probably but a, a Sovtech big. It was a Sovtech, yeah. It was a big Sovtech that was great for a fuzzy sound. But if you wanted to just kick in for a slightly piercing guitar sound, you hit the other pedal, mm-hmm. which would boost the signal a little bit, oh, add a little okay. bit of high. So so yeah, I mean honestly, why do you need three distortion effects? You don't. Oh, unless come on, you do, you, unless yes, you, you do too. Yes. And like the order that you put them in, like you put the, uh, if you're going to have a phaser that you use once during the show, you know, you put that last, you would not put that before the distortion. Mm. I mean, I'm not even good at this stuff and I know this and now I, I, I have no one to teach and no one cares. Yeah. You're describing a signal chain and specifically you're describing the uh, gain stages of a signal chain. Ooh, I'm listening. And uh, tell me more. I have spent a lot of time thinking about gain, gain stages. Because the thing, the thing is, I like to use a clean boost. You know, my sound is this is this is this was one of the one of the tragedies for me was going out on tour, listening to a lot of bands, really envying guys that had a uh, a real fuzzy sound, like you know, not a surf had a very a very distorted, very saturated we call it sound, but for the guitar parts that I played. My particular sound required a very clean, boosted sound. And for your style, for, for your songs, style. and That's for right. your guitar. You have That's a guitar that benefits from that sound. That's right. A very clean sound. And if I, if I got a really nice, like very satisfying, saturated sound, then as soon as the band would start playing, it didn't have the articulation that I wanted. I couldn't hear you know, that pl- pling, pling, pling that I liked. 
And so my gain stages, I always had, well, not always, but I tried to also have three. But two of those were really kind of just a, they were just boosts, hmm. which is to say they, they, um, and so, it, so it depend. It, it was, it, it was, it was very important to know how you wanted to arrange those, those boosts, because if you boost the signal into something that has a, a ceiling, right, 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 right. something that's compressed, that boost just, just kind of goes in there and gets compressed by the, by the compressor further down the it, line. It undoes what it's, I mean, for, for, for a layperson or somebody who doesn't care, it's a little bit, think about like the order you do the dishes in. Mm. Like you don't, you don't, you don't necessarily, you don't dry the dishes before you clean them. Come on. You could have said it better. Right? There's an order you do them in that's optimal and you get good at that. And that's kind of what you're describing here is knowing like what it is you're trying to accomplish at each stage of that and not having it work across purposes. You don't dry the dishes before you wash them. That's pretty good, huh? Right. And so, and the thing is, that goes all the way to the amp. That goes all the way to the front end of the amp because some amps have a master volume and the master volume is a kind of like limit on how much the head is going to light up. And some amps don't. And so if you send a boost into an amp with a master volume, you're going to get a very different response from the, from the head, from the tubes inside of your head, than if you send that boost to an amp that doesn't have a master volume and is just sitting there waiting to get all this added hot signal sent to it. And that's why I ended up, you know, I love, I love a, I've tried every kind of amp. I know I can name every kind of nut, <laughs> but you know you end up you end up going back to those Fender amps, just those simple Fender amps. Because if you send something into the the front of a Fender amp, it's going to like lift and it's going to send all this beautiful. It's going to chiming. literally amplify the sound. That's right, and 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 it, it will accept a Fender amplifier will accept additional power coming into the into the channel like it will it just embraces all this hotted up electricity and it's just going to send that right back to you in the form of rock and roll mm. fender's a gracious host mm. exactly mm. so God, i, I want to play guitar so much, so much time thinking about this and i and all that time and uh, to people who are not in bands and who have probably already turned off this program mm-hmm. uh you know what you end up doing is you're sitting cross-legged on the floor on a on a section of dirty carpet in your band's rehearsal studio while no one else is there and you are chaining together all your effects pedals and switching them around and putting this one in front of that one and that one in front of this one and imagining if you only had one additional pedal how different it would be how everyone would finally understand what you were trying to say with your guitar instrument I mean hours and hours and hours in these darkened musty rooms Figuring out this stuff, which now I feel like I feel like there should I should be sitting in front of a room of of twenty year olds all mm. sitting cross legged on the floor, all trying to hook up their boxes, and I would be pacing around the front of the room saying, "Now listen, you have to remember if you send a stereo signal into a mono input, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a summing, and that's gonna create a." You're going to lose a lot of the, and the, and they would all be wrapped. They're, right? they're probably taking notes. I bet they have a notebook. 
they have a notebook. They're they're like they're they're stopping what they're doing right there and like, oh my god, was I about to do that? And mm. it's just like, okay, here's what we here's what we need to do. I think the last thing. So you know, do you have a compressor pedal in your chain? This is a big question. It's a subtle effect, but I ended up using the compressor pedal a lot in at my, the at the end. Or the end of my career, I found. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, at the where do you put it in your? Uh, oh no, you don't. I don't think you want to put it toward the. Yeah, I don't think you want to. You put want it, a compressed yeah. sound going through the distortion and the. Yeah, you want it, You want some compression in there because what is distortion, Merlin? If not compression, mm. right? What is distortion if not compression? Or what does compression produce if not distortion? But you don't want that, you know, you put that at the end of your signal chain and all you're doing is you just... Squeezing it through a toilet paper tube. That, thank you. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I have this knowledge. I feel like, some, I feel like a Saturn V engineer mm-hmm. who is wandering around NASA headquarters during the space shuttle era trying to talk to people about the Saturn uh, and no one cares anymore. They're like, that's great, you got us to the moon, Gramps. <laughs> but you know what? Now we're up here with a multicultural cast of astronauts. No more, no more of the short sleeve white shirts. Nope. Take your take your pocket protector out and go gently into this good night mm. because we don't give a shit anymore about your dumb guitar knowledge. <laughs> and nice pivot, you know. And uh, <laughs> and you think about it, I, it was one of those things that from 1977 to 1997. We were building on a body of knowledge, and that entire time, it seemed like this will always be relevant. That's the amazing thing about about reaching middle age. You, you see, like, wow, we had 20 years there where it, it never seemed like that knowledge was going to stop being useful. Mm-hmm. It seemed like you were building on it. And I was not alone. Tens and tens of thousands of people were also building up tremendous, like, guitar knowledge. It goes for so many technologies, though, because, I mean... To a large extent, it's also really true for computers. Like I, the uh, of the corpus of data and pseudo data about using Macs in particular that I have in my head, the end of that is also kind of represents. I would say the mid mid to late nineties is when I feel like I didn't know the most most technically specifically like down to the metal about those computers, but I knew a lot about like making them work better or like what software to use to make this thing happen. Like I knew a lot of that stuff and that's all, that's all tears and rain. At this Is that point. right? Well, I mean, you know, by and large, there's all kinds of things where you could be a wizard by knowing, obviously start with something like turn it off and on, but then you also get to something like, Oh, you know, uh, rebuild your desktop on the Mac or throughout your TCP IP prefs, you know, out of the uh, system folder. Yeah. There were all these little things where like, there was all these little wizard things where you had this array of stuff. I think it's true for guitar stuff. I think it's true for it's certainly got to be true for stereo equipment. I mean, how many people even like own an according to Hoyle stereo anymore? I remember the first time you told me to turn my computer off and then back on again. You do? Yeah, because I was like, well, what's that going to do? And you were like, listen, trust me on this. Sometimes it works miracles. And I was like, okay, I'll do. I'll turn your computer off. Whatever you say, Brainiac. And then it was like, bing. Okay, here it comes. Coming back on. And then it worked. And it was like, what happened, Merlin? How did that? How did you know that that was going to work? And you had this, this, you know, long explanation about like, well, you know, sometimes they just need to rest. Sometimes they the computer gets confused. Yeah. And they just need, it just needs to reestablish all the, all the, uh, uh, all the, you know, all the phone calls. Establish all the phone calls. 
rewire all of the uh, electrodes. That's right. It needs to just rewrite the encryption. It needs to. You gonna hack into the mainframe? <laughs> it needs to. It needs to repair those permissions. It needs to unjack and rejack the matrix. And so, just do it. And uh, and I was like, then that became wow. Go to problem solver kit. First thing, first tool in the toolbox. Turn the computer off. That's uh, humbling. It's very humbling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like turning this computer off right now just to see what would happen. It mm. hasn't been off in weeks. Oh, really? That's nice to hear. Uh, yeah, I, I, I decided, I don't know, a year or two ago that I just was going to stop turning my computer off. I was just going to put it to sleep. That's fine. And uh, it seems to be fine. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, you know, people like I think in the Unix community uh, have always had a certain point of pride about like what their uptime is. Like I haven't had to restart my computer in six months or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like even with my phone, like now that I've got phones that have Touch ID and stuff like that, I, I don't like restarting the phone. There are times where I go, ugh, this thing's not working. My kid's game is not working. And I know, I know, I'm Merlin man. I'm the go-to gizmo guy. Like, I know that if I hard reset this phone, if I hold down the home key and the sleep button and make it restart, like, it will probably be fine. But then I've got to re-enter passwords sometimes. Ah! (laughs) Did you literally restart your computer? What happened? While you're restarting, my all of a sudden your um, your voice went all robot, and then oh. it all went it all went to shit, and I felt like it was a clear case of the of the ghost in the machine hearing uh-huh. us and feeling like it was gonna it was gonna show us exactly exactly how to repair some permissions <laughs> by just. Um, it just shit the bed. Have you what, tried? What, have you talking? tried running the wireless diagnostic? You know. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by pointing your web browser at squarespace.com. As many of you know, I have been a huge fan and evangelist of Squarespace for many years now. It's not only the place that I use for hosting many of my own sites, and yes, my own podcasts. It's also the first place I recommend for anyone wanting to do the same. Squarespace sites are professionally designed masterpieces that look great right out of the box, regardless of your skill level. There's zero coding nerdery required, and they offer intuitive and easy-to-use tools that take all the pain out of getting your stuff up. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology powering your site. That ensures security and stability, even if you get a link from Roderick on the line. Squarespace is trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world... The nutty part is that Squarespace plans start at a very affordable $8 per month. And that price even includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year, which you should totally do. Please check Squarespace out and tell your friends about it. You can start your free trial site today with no credit card required by visiting squarespace.com. And when you're ready to buy, make sure to use that very special offer code SUPERTRAIN and you will get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Oh, oh, the wireless setup assistant. Yes. He comes in a little tuxedo holding a tray and he says, is your, uh, is your modem on? Um, well, I can't help you. Thanks for trying. <laughs> Boop. Um, yeah, that's a fun- <laughs> 
<laughs> your frustration with the wireless uh, connectivity um, troubleshooter is one of the delights of my life. It's, um, it makes me so mad. I don't see how anyone could defend it. If I worked at a- Apple, in whatever job I had at Apple, I would immediately request a transfer into the diagnostic uh, department. You call you call a meeting. Everybody in here. Everybody, everybody into the conference room, please. <laughs> Let's so, go. So and things are going to change big, around here. I would say, <clears throat> what exactly do you think your product does? Oh, you'd because, have like you'd have a John Roderick as Steve Jobs moment where you would say, "What is what is your what is your job here? What does this what is this thing supposed to do?" That's right. That's right. And now, what does it do? What is it supposed to do? What do you imagine people turn to your product? to do well i, I think it's to help people diagnose whether their wireless is working properly oh, i just thought that i was and i would be like fired 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 <laughs> i could go out into the street and get 25 people random people walking around a mall and they would have a better understanding of how to build a diagnostic system than you dinglings who have been working here since the dawn of time i feel like it's the la- it's probably the last refuge of, of scoundrels at apple all the guys that have been there since the 80s oh. they end up at diagnostics because it still works like it still works exactly like the computer that it, my, it still works like my mac classic <laughs> just like oh well boy i'm having some problems I'm, i don't know what the problem is let's go to oh diagnostic that seems like that word means well, and for for folks who are just out problem. for folks who are just coming in on this right now, it, it seems like in summary, what happens with you is you say something's not working, so you go to the diagnostic tool, and then the result of the diagnostic tool is that what you just checked is not working. That's right. All it is always the same, which is here are here are the six steps we understand, which, which all are involve turning something off and on, and when that doesn't, when that inevitably does not solve the problem. There's no, fur- no further information. It's impossible to glean anything from this tool. It doesn't say anything specific, although it knows more. It kn- that's what's frustrating. The diagnostic tool has to know more than it is revealing. And so you, you wonder, whose side are you on, diagnostic tool? Mm. Do you work for me? Do you live in my computer? Are you my friend? Do you belong to me? Are you my advocate here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or are you collecting information? which you feel like I'm either not ready to hear, not able to understand, or are you collecting information on behalf of someone else? And and I'm just and you're just telling you're just a functionary in a train station on the Slovakian border who has one stamp and if you cannot put the stamp in the passport then there's no there's no further conversation to be had. It's almost as though you have a technology an extremely sophisticated technology for finding your lost car keys. But in order to use it, you have to have your car keys in your hand. Exactly. It works flawlessly as long as you have the key in your hand. That's right. As, as long, long as, as it's ha- not actually lost, it works fine. As long as you say, what, what, do I, what do I do? Oh, I had them here the whole time. Thank you, diagnostic tool. But if it's like, golly, I'd really like to figure out what could possibly be wrong. Because this is what's amazing to me. There can't really be that many things wrong. Like the the computer is never going to come to you and say, "There's too much salt in 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 the in the water," or the computer is never going to come to you and say, "No one ever loved you as a child." Like the computer is only going to say a few things in addition to the things it says. Right? Mm-hmm. It's going to say like, "Here's the amount of signal I'm getting." from your modem and it's the and it's 
and here are the, the type of signals that I like to get, and here are the ones I don't. Here are the, this is what this signal is telling me. But, you know, what you're doing is you're sitting in a room, you're looking over at your wireless thing, which is, which, again, it only has five lights, and those lights are blinking. And so, so that machine, to the best of its ability, is telling you, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then the computer is sitting right, I mean, within, within like, it could, it could reach out and touch the other thing. And it's telling you, like, don't, can't help you. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. And somewhere between those two, there's more information available. And I feel like it's a, it may be a situation where I need a dongle mm. that has some additional lights, and the dongle is going to... Maybe, maybe some kind of a dashboard. Maybe, see, it seems to me like you want something that goes deeper into the human issues. That it would be nice if it, it like, let's take an obvious one. Mm-hmm. Um, results of the diagnostic, Comcast sucks. Like, if it could say to you, right. for example, like, oh, I went and I checked on the internet and I found out that there's an outage in your area, or maybe, I know this is, this is all just blue sky solutioneering. What if it said something like, you just need a new cable for this? Mm, there you go. Right? You or you forgot, you forgot to turn off Dropbox, and that's taking all of your bandwidth or taking something like that. Taking all your bandwidth, precisely. Bandwidth these, is a word that a diagnostic could use. These are, these are simple, this is a simple additional level of diagnostics. Like, I remember back in the early days of the long winters when Wi-Fi was still very much an exotic and wonderful thing. Well, you needed a, a special card that you jam into the side of your computer. Yes. Eric Corson, bass player of the long winters and former employee of the Apple store. I'm sorry, the Mac store. Former employee of the Mac store. Oh, he worked for, for an off-brand, a third-party uh, he place? Worked for, he worked for a third-party Apple distributor. Um, <clears throat> Eric had a had a Wi-Fi card antenna thing, but he also had some kind of program, which I never took the time to develop an understanding of. Didn't seem important at the time. And we would drive around in the van in the middle of the night because we would invariably be oh, like right. showing up in some town in the middle of the night, and he would have his computer in his lap and his little his little antenna and he'd be we'd be seeking wi-fi signal I think what you're looking for here is a it's called a wi-fi sniffer it was a sniffer a sniffer it's putting its little electronic nose up in the air and saying is there wi-fi can i sniff it that's right he was sniffing and we were we were on the on the hoof right driving slowly van in gear just idling through these towns i remember one night in in, That's not uh, creepy. In, <laughs> a van going very slowly by your house well, while a slender man is hunched over his computer and looking at your windows. We were in Des Moines one night. And Des Moines is a town, I don't know the last time you were there, but Des Moines is a town that really rolls up the sidewalks after dark. And so it's, a, it's kind of a big town. But at night, at least in the early 2000s still, at night there is nothing going on. It's just big open streets of a western town and not a not a car in any direction and we're driving through this town and eric's like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. i'm getting something i mean I've, it felt like we were ghost hunters and then you know but his little his little sniffer had more information about what about the signals he was getting and like it was more useful information than than any sort of 
diagnostic tool on any computer I've ever had. You know, it, he was just like, turn right, turn right. Like, and I don't know whether he was pretending, whether he was, he was faking and I, and, and I was gullible and on the hook. <laughs> like a, like a storm chasing crew. Yeah. But we would eventually pull up in front of some strange little motel that would have like really hot Wi-Fi signal or a Panera bread in a strip mall somewhere that was closed, but was still broadcasting unpassword protected Wi-Fi. And we would sit there in the parking lot. All of us crouched over our, our old laptops. Wi-Fi in. Oh, it was, those were thrilling times. Mm-hmm. And that, and you know, and that's what I want. I want, I want my diagnostic program on my computer to be a kind of sniffer that's sniffing out problems. <laughs> that's right. And saying like, you know what the problem is here? The problem is injustice. You or didn't, the problem or, or, is, or the problem is you didn't want it enough. Or right. shouldn't you be doing something else? Yeah, the problem something extremely specific that goes way beyond just what are the, the bits and bytes. Yeah, right. Like the all the diagnostic the only solutions it offers you are turn your modem on on and off, turn your computer on and off. Is there a third option? No, I think that's it. I so, mean it's it asks these questions like, is your computer plugged in? I, I hear is, you asking whether this application might actually be a prank. I do feel like it's a prank. Because there's got to be, I'm thinking of one infinite loop now. No, I'm thinking of one Cupertino Plaza. <laughs> uh, That's where they send the people that aren't one infinite loop anymore? Yeah, one Cupertino Plaza, which is kind of a 60s style police headquarters. They just call it the Brown Building. <laughs> and upstairs on the 14th floor, there has got to be a section with the, where, where, the, where the, the, the uh, frosted front glass door says, you know, lost and found, property section diagnostics and you go through that door and there's you know and there's a there's a big long desk and and it's like a scene out of the movie brazil but there have got to be 20 people working there right 20 people let's say working in that section it's not just one you know like harried person in a green visor it's a team and they have done nothing they have done nothing they are sucking off the teat of that apple largesse and they and they're sucking off a teat of largesse yeah and no one else no i apparently no one in that company ever uses that because they they know the last the last time they tried to use it was 1998 it didn't do anything and so they unlike me never tried again yeah they they don't keep going back trying to get a different result out of the same dumb tool Maybe and they I, console themselves by reading your bug reports and reading uh, reading the log files about how frustrated you are. Well, you know, just, here's the thing: I never, I, I never submit a bug report. Yeah, I never submit a bug report because that is how that's how they get their, their hooks in you. That's how the NSA figures out that you're a complainer. And, <laughs> you know, and they put you you're, in a special file. You, you get you get pegged as a belly acher. You're a belly acher. You're sending these bug reports, and they're like, "We got a live one over here." And you know there are plenty of plenty of people out there who are submitting informed bug reports, but my bug reports would all be, "What the fuck is wrong with your stupid ass company?" And I'd get on some list. My mom's been saying this to me my whole life. Don't get on a list. Yeah, you don't want to be on a list. Don't get on a list of belly acres. Do you think there's the, lists of belly acres? I personally don't. My mom subscribes to a worldview where there are lists of belly acres. Oh, we're, oh, cool. oh, so I understand. So it could be something where you call into Comcast and say the diagnostic says nothing's broken. What's going on with your with your with your internet setup? And suddenly your your account is flagged. You're a belly acre. 
Yeah, and then from then on, every time you call to complain, they route your call through some special bank of operators who are there to deal with problem customers. Now, my mom's worldview is a little bit more paranoid, and she believes that that like there's some list at 911 or the police department where they're like we don't send cars out to them they're crazy oh um but i know enough people in the police department and with the emts where they do the emts do say we go to that person all the time they are i just restarted my computer there's nothing open mm. not even safari is open i'm not even looking at pictures of old cars mm. google drive has been trying to get me to do something. Uh, I don't. I don't know what. Sign back into Google Drive. That's probably Apple, not it. Apple Drive, whatever their Apple Drive has been for the last for the last two months. Every time I go go into my uh, Apple Mail on my phone, let's see what the thing pops up here, and it says I go to reply to somebody's email, and then it says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. sign into iCloud." Mm-hmm. The Apple ID password. This is on your on your phone. On my phone, and at some point, I don't I don't know how I got signed out of iCloud. Uh, I think maybe I change. I don't know. I changed something. Sometimes there's a there's a bug that went around recently where sometimes you have to sign in three times. Right, and at at, at a certain point, the first first time it, it like threw that flag up. I tried to sign into it and nothing happened. And and maybe I tried a second time and nothing happened. And so I just closed the window and realized that I could continue to send email. I didn't have to be signed into iCloud to do hmm. any of the things that my phone wants to do. And so it became another thing that I just ignore. And it throws up that thing, sign into iCloud. And I go close. And then I send. It's just one more step, one more Vaguely irritating step, and I don't know what's happening. Whether that means that none of my stuff is being backed up to the cloud, but your, think, um, your your connection right now is really really bad. I think you might be on a bellyacre list. Do you think that I should restart my modem? <laughs> this is so so bitterly ironic. Do you think I should? Do you think should I open up the window of my office and shout, <laughs> "I'm mad as hell"? And I don't want to take it anymore. All right, let's uh, let's disconnect again and see if we can fix it. Right, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna restart my mo. <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Braintree, code for easy online payments. To learn more right now, please visit BraintreePayments.com/supertrain. If you're a mobile app developer, and I know many of you out there are, please do check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution that is used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Some pretty big hitters there. Braintree has made the payment experience in these apps seamless and magical. And now you can add a similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. And Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is helping solve the problem of mobile card abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience. you got to check this out for yourselves. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution. That means support for all the payment types that your customers might want. You can start accepting PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo cards, and more, all with a single integration across all platforms with superior fraud protection 
customer service, and mm-hmm, fast payouts, buddy. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, please go to braintreepayments.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Braintree for taking the pain out of mobile payments and for supporting Roderick on the line. <clears throat> I've restarted everything. You sound pretty good. Did it... Uh, I mean, I checked my diagnostic tool and it mm-hmm. said, restart your modem, restart your computer. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a spin. Welcome back, everybody. It's John great to be the, here. John has run the diagnostic. Uh-huh. I, uh, I can't prove this, and I'm, I'm going to have to do some experimenting to prove this, but I'm pretty sure I've been banned by a Thai restaurant. Really? I think I'm on their bellyacre list. How? <clears throat> so walk me through it. Okay, I'll give you the facts and evidence. Facts and evidence are that there is a restaurant, so we use this app, uh, eat, eat 24. You know, it's like one of those, you know, online delivery apps, which, you know, as it turns out, most restaurants hate because it's a real pain in the butt for them. Like, you know, if you have a restaurant at this point, you have to have like five iPads running all the time to see all the orders coming in. It's, they, they hate it. They're like, please just call us. Please just call us. <laughs> but I've been using this place. It was really easy and it makes it easy to like reorder what you've gotten before. So you just say like reorder what I got next time. It's this type of place that we really like. Like it's okay. I mean, like, you know, it's the food is really good. The delivery is pretty spotty, but okay. And we used to order from them, like, constantly, like, a lot. Like, you know, sometimes once a week. And, um, you know, uh, like I say, the, the service and delivery was spotty. So I had, a, I had a little bit of a bee in my bonnet. But So what, what about the service uh, was spotty? Well, sometimes they didn't come? Sometimes, sometimes. Have you ever had an experience with delivery or even at a restaurant? Let's, let's, let's make it easy. Like, let's say you go to a restaurant and it's not the greatest service in the world, but the food's pretty good. And you say, hey, you know, we ordered, you know, 25 minutes ago. Right. Is, how's everything going? Mm-hmm. And like, it, you know, it'll be out in a few minutes. How are you doing back there? And then it's three hours later and they're still saying like, oh, it'll be out in a few minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? But the, yeah, the, the and, thing and we're like, just, just actually just give me the report. Like if, if dinner's not going to happen tonight, just tell me. And we'll, we'll have something else. Right. And it's nice, uh, you know, the difference between a place that's like, here, you know, here, I, here's an appetizer, sorry for the problem, or like your, cup, your coffee's on me even is a small thing. But those places that come, that, that, you know, that bring the thing like an hour later and it's cold and it's got a booger on it. Yep. And then they're just like, charge you the full price. It's it's not really so far off from a kind of United Airlines experience of like, well, you know, if the plane's going to be delayed, I had this coming, actually heading out to Portland on my last flight, where it's like there was something wrong. I, th- I told you the story. It's really a boring story. But basically, it's one of those things where you're like, look, if it's going to be six hours, tell me. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be canceled, can you just tell me? Like, mm-hmm. just tell me if it's canceled. That's okay. But they don't want to cancel the flight. Mm-hmm. They, they In this case, they don't want to cancel the order. Anyway, I'm certain you, everybody's had experiences like this. So in the case of this one place, I guess I don't even remember the details. It's kind of foggy. All I know is they really ate the booger one night, like mm. big time. They screwed up the order. They weren't responding. Maybe they did that thing where they took it to the street instead of the avenue. That happens all the time. But it was, it was a total clusterfuck. And I, I called and I was like, what is going on? I was, I was really mad. It's Friday night and we're watching TV. It's like it's eating night, right? It's time to eat. This is the night that we, this is the one night we eat. This is the night we eat. We have television and like, you know, there's like $40 worth of Thai food somewhere, presumably. Uh-huh. And, you know, I have to say, I am, I am not so much this guy anymore, but I can still kind of sometimes be this guy. 
if, if I'm super mad and I got a bunch of hard-earned money going into Thai food that might be somewhere, that makes me frustrated at a certain point, especially when I feel like I'm not getting the whole story. Oh, now, wait a minute. And this is through an app, right? So the money's already gone. You've so burned I'm working the through, money. Initially, I'm working through – there was something – I don't even remember. But there's been so many problems with this place. There's things like we didn't have what you wanted and you didn't call us to say you wanted a substitute. The computer went down and we had no way to call you. There's all these different things that happen. You know, a lot of it's probably the fault of these middle persons. So usually you deal with the middle person. Yeah, You're in a, a, a messaging window talking to them. Long story short, all you need to know for this story is I'm sure I was at least half a dick with them, but mm. they did really screw up. And they were, and anyway, it was just everything about the experience was really poor, and they handled it badly. And to some extent, probably I handled it badly. Uh, I was not as kind as I can be. Yes, and you can be very kind. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, you've seen me. I'm, I'm a polite and kind person. Yes, you're very kind, and you're very polite. Especially with strangers. Yes. My friends I got no time for. But uh, so flash forward, I think we might have ordered. I feel like we maybe ordered again, but I don't remember. All I know is another Friday night comes along and we're like, oh, well, let's give it a throw again. We get the order. We say, repeat this order. Everything's going fine until I get to the checkout and it says, Mm-mm, we can't deliver to this address. <gasps> Whoa. The, app, the app tells me that. The app tells me that. Can't deliver to this address. Mm-hmm. So maybe they changed their coverage area. I'm thinking I might try ordering today even from – have it delivered to my office and see what happens, see who's so fucking smart. I have uh-huh. a feeling they, I got put on a list as a bellyacre. Huh. I think, I think it's ramifications. You got put on a bellyacre list and now they don't deliver to your zone. I, I think I've been dezoned. I've been redlined. Wow. So <clears throat> do, you use the, uh, do you use the Uber service? Yes. And are are as as I understand it now mm-hmm. from following along uh, the Twitter machine. Yep, Uber There's two reviews going on. Uber rates you. You rate Uber. Uber rates you. That's okay. Right. Now, how's your how is your rating as a customer? I'm so I'm so embarrassed by every aspect of this story. Um, I'll, I'll avoid the, uh, the the apologetics and shame. I think Uber's a terrible company. Mm. Unfortunately, I've had maybe two cabs ever come to my house mm-hmm. because of where I live. Right. So I end up using Uber. Or in the case of being in Portland, it was just it was the super easiest way, and I feel like a bad person. Let's save that for another episode. Okay. Now, here's my problem. I've talked about this other places, but I if I'm rating my own music, if I'm rating anything, I f- treat five stars like a serious thing. Oh, yeah. You're not going to give five stars to just any old Oh, slow. my God. Well, no, here's the thing. And I, I, I've had to really think about this because I think it, it should be like a bell curve. I think most of the reviews for stuff is probably going to be a three. Mm-hmm. If everything – and so here's my rating in the past, and I'm going somewhere with this. In the past, my feeling has been if everything went as well as could be expected, plus or minus 20 percent, well, you know, plus or minus 10 percent, I'll give four stars. If oh. everything went as well as could be expected, <clears throat> if right. they just did their job – Sure. It's, a, it's a three star. It's because it's average. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a B minus. You succeeded at not setting the house on fire. You mm-hmm. three stars. Three. Be happy with three. And then I found out that if you're an Uber driver and your rating consistently drops below four point seven, oh, you get fired. You go right into the shipping container. And then they hit you with rubber hoses and pour cold water on you. That's right. That's right. And uh, and you pay, and they send you a bill for it. Just like wow. now. 4.7. 4.7 is a lot of stars. So you know what I do now? And also, yes, because I now know they, they review me, uh, I just give everybody five stars. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, it tears my heart apart. 
Yeah. It feels yeah. so wrong. But I, I know they're rating me. I know whatever. It's a dumb company. It's just, it's, it's a mess inside of a mess. So <clears throat> what, do, what do you do? I don't, well, see, I don't use Uber. I have Good only for you. used it a couple of times. I've spent more time in Ubers that were called by John Hodgman than I have spent in uh, Uber's called by anyone else because uh, Hodgman loves it, or at least he did. I don't know what his feelings about the politics are, but early on, he was an early adopter. And, you know, he does that thing where he's like, oh, we need a car. And he, you know, bleep, bleep, bleep. And then all of a sudden a stretch limo pulls up and you're like, what the fuck is this? And he's like, I don't know. It was the closest one. You're like, wow, you get in these things, stretch limo. Come on. So, you know, he's living high on the hog. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in these things, but I have never rated anyone. Well, I, I, and as far know, as I know, there's no, I don't, maybe there's a rating of me. Oh, I think I've, I've never asked because I kind of don't want to know. Yeah. But, um, no, but, I, 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 but, but my, so I do not tip additionally because I feel like that is against the principle. Oh God, no. And I don't, and I'm, I'm, of course I'm very chatty because I want to know all about everybody. I'm one of those people that starts talking to the cab driver right away. And if Ugh. they indicate to me that they don't want to talk, then that's fine. But like. I want to hear about. I want to hear their life story because it's always interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I've told you right that cab. Uh, I had a cab driver in Washington D.C. one time say to me, like, you know, here's the thing. Oh yeah, he wants to hear what your story is. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I tell yeah. my story 25 times a day. He's I'm like not- Air- Eritrean or something. Yeah, that's right. He was from Eritrea, and he's like, I want to hear your story. That's what's interesting to me because. You know, like that's how I learn, and th- my customers are interesting. I don't want to just tell my dumb story over and over. And I was like, "Oh, huh? That's yes. All right, I'm not doing you a favor by asking you to tell me your story. Mm-hmm. I should get in the cab, sit down, and say, let me tell you about my day.' And that would be interesting to us both. So I that's just what feel I like there's something here that's not the opposite of an eel, but it's a complement to the problem of the eels. Do you use eBay? Uh, I used eBay once. Well, and so it was in the nineties. I I screwed up. I I made it all the way to two thousand and thirteen without ever having used eBay. And in the early two thousands, my girlfriend at the time would was pretty big on eBay. She was kind of a big deal. <laughs> and we would go to thrift stores, and she would buy all these things that were inexplicable to me, like Air Jordans, you know, she would find all this stuff that was not for her. And I had, I was never a thrift store person that went looking for stuff not for me, right? I would find really cool stuff, but if it didn't fit me, if I didn't want it, I would just throw it back into the pond. But she would, you know, she was, she would see some old Nikes and be like, oh. Oh, as in I could sell those. And I would go, why are you buying those? And she's like, never you mind. Hmm. And then she would put them up on eBay and, she, and sometimes sell them for a ton of money because you could still find Cause, old. Because somebody out there is going to want them. Oh, yeah. And you can still find really, and I think you still can if, you, if you're that type of person. But it used to be early days of eBay you could still find incredible stuff just lying around and sell it to people for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So she had this whole sideline going, and, the, and her nature was to be a little bit secretive from me. So she, I was all, you know, I'd look over her shoulder and be like, what are you selling those on eBay? And she's like, yeah, never you mind. Like, don't, don't worry about it. I've, 
<laughs> That's my business. <laughs> That's not for you. <laughs> but then in about 2003 or 2004, I remember having a, one of those hilarious conversations that I reflect, reflect on now where she's like, oh, eBay used to be great, but it's sh- it's shit now. I don't even want to be on there. I don't even want to do it anymore. It sucks. And not having ever been on there at the time, I was like, wow, too bad. I missed the... I missed the, the time when eBay was great, and now it's 2004, and eBay sucks. And so I never, I never learned anything about it until 2013, and I decide, I'm going to figure out eBay. And I go on there, and I'm like, oh, look, you can get a whole set of wrenches here. For, it's only it's like this is 10% less than rent wrenches at a store, and these are... Uh, uh, these are old. But it's also, but it's also a game. It's a game, right? I mean, no, I don't mean that in a pejorative. I mean in the sense that, like, the, the gaming aspect of eBay mm. is must be part of what makes it addictive. Well, and it's what it's part of what makes it suck too. But but there's a whole. So on Craigslist, I'm sure you know about the Craigslist lectures that people have in their item. You know, where they're like for sale one iPhone. No flakes, no, you know, no, uh, this, I will sell this only to a person with high moral integrity who comes directly to my house and stands there contrite with hat in hand and asks me for permission and calls me sir. And I will not, I do not support you. Do not call this number with any solicitations, you know, like all these guys who are just, who are taking out their anger and frustration in their Craigslist ad, trying to preempt what they imagine is a world of scammers and lowlifes and doorbell ringers. The only effective way to keep those people away is to offer a stern lecture ahead of time. A stern lecture ahead of time. Do not call this number if you have not have prior military service and proven your love of America. And it's just like, fuck you guys. Like, Eat shit. I want to call this number and hang up now. I wanted. I wanted uh, to to uh, to ring and dash or whatever. Like I want to put a burning bag of dog shit on your doorstep, and and it's not even Halloween. But on eBay, there's this subclass. There are plenty of people on eBay who have similar lectures, but there's this subclass of of um, of ad that extremely pedantically i would say even ebay splaining is <laughs> is the is the term explains that anything less than a five star rating you might as well yeah be pissing on their face and so if you cannot give them a five star rating then say nothing mm-hmm. but they do not want your four star rating they do not want your third star rating if you give them four stars Four of a possible five, it is tantamount to a scarlet letter. It's tantamount to putting them in the public stocks. And it makes you, it makes you sort of a, um, to use a dis- disabused term, um, it makes you a little bit of a rating prick tease. It's like you took the time to do it, but you didn't do what you're supposed to do with it. You didn't give them the five stars that you're supposed to give like a gentleman. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, like... Yeah, exactly. And I know there are, I'm sure the exact same guys that are writing those Craigslist ads are also out there giving three star ratings to people. Ugh. 
And that, that, that is that is perceived. You know what that is? That's that's also similar to like the way I use periods in uh, in texting, mm. and it makes me seem mean. Oh, right! Instead of exclamation points, I read about this on the internet that I'm not supposed to use punctuation anymore because it makes me sound angry. Same, same here. You're doing you're doing the right thing, which is saying, you know what? It was fine. It, was it arrived fine. fine. The packaging was fine. The everything was fine. It, was it fine. could have been better. Could have been worse. It was fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the like I get stuff in the mail, and I and the only way you could describe it is fine. That's there's, fine. There's, there's really only three reviews in on the contemporary internet. It's either five stars, one star, or null. Right. So either you give it the full five stars, you give it one star because you're mad, or there's nothing to be said. <laughs> right. And that, and that offends me because I have, in my, in my soul, a full panoply of star ratings. And give me more than one, one, like, one vector, more than one aspect. Five stars of what? Oh, thank you. Exactly. Like this, this, kid, the kid, this kid in the radio, radio had his, uh, I had a ride on the Uber the other day, and the kid was playing super loud rap music. He had all the windows rolled down. He mm. took a crazy route. What? I gave him five deserved, stars. Oh, uh, he deserved two, two stars. Two stars. The the the. Re- I think this is the this is the Facebook thumbs down problem, right? Facebook finally needed a thumbs down because there's just too much desire to to thumbs down stuff, and so I I, I still haven't seen it. I haven't seen the thumbs down. I don't know if they've rolled it out yet or if it's just. I haven't a, even I haven't even looked at Facebook. I deactivated my account. I haven't looked at it in years. Yeah. But I, I'm going to just go ahead and arbitrarily predict that this will be the thing we remember as the end of Facebook. I, I think I think you may be right because it's because, a it's a capitulation to something mm-hmm. that's I think I think there's a whole lot of grenades rolling around on the floor at Facebook that we're not going to hear about for a while. I think that a lot of the real name stuff is is super fucked up and bugs me a lot. But uh, yeah. anyway, I don't go to the site. But I'm just telling you, as soon as I heard about the thumbs down, I was like. Mm. You're going to make it a little bit too real. Yep, it's going to get end timesy out there. But mm-hmm. here's my question to you. Now, this is the big. This has always been the big question on Facebook for me. Somebody's post, somebody you know but not well, and their post is, "My mom died today." Oh, do you star it? Do you give that a thumbs up? Oh, I know, I know. Well, see, I, I, but the Twitter version of that, where somebody's dog died, yeah. like, do you star it? Do you star that? Or do, so- you, do you send a response? Somebody I, I've never actually met. I'm sorry for anybody whose dog died. Oh my god, that's the worst. Yeah, but like, bad. I don't know them personally. I didn't even know they had a dog. But having your dog die sucks. So, do I send a response and get into a conversation about a dead dog? If I star it, that seems a little weird. Well, but so here, so here's an additional complication. You're on Facebook. My mom died today, and then you look, and it has 385 faves. <laughs> so now you know if you do, if you do friend it or if you do smiley face it you're in good company right 385 other people have felt like that was the only appropriate response it's it's a little bit like a like a high five or a hug it can be interpreted in a lot of different ways that's right it's a, it, and 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 since, since i'm not even sure if you can still poke somebody on facebook I, and i'm not i don't know i shouldn't be asking you but you know back i know at a time you could get something called super poke <laughs> there was poke and sometimes somebody poked me and i poked them back i didn't understand why we were poking each other yeah. but then i saw there's a thing you could get from their little uh this uh, download dingus store yeah from like you store. could buy people fucking popcorn and you could get uh, something called super poke super poke mm-hmm. well and this is the thing if i had a fucking dollar for every super poke i've given mm. you know what i'm saying how much would you have i'd have i would you know i would be uh i would be a professional gigolo instead of a uh, sort of a hobbyist <laughs> 
<laughs> obvious jiggle. <laughs> but my question is, like, you can't poke somebody when their mom died, or I guess you, I presume that that's one, that's one possible response. It seems a little glib. But now, if Facebook has thumbs down options, oh. when somebody's mom dies, do you thumbs down it? Like, that's... So, Pretty like, lame. if somebody says, "Hey, my mom died," and somebody goes, "Boo!" Yeah, right. Is like, okay, a- so are you are you booing the news and saying that sucks? Aww. Are you saying your mom was kind of a dick to begin with, right. or on on a, on a more like uh, I don't know, uh, Roland Barth level? Are are you like criticizing the fact that they're talking about it on fucking Facebook? Exactly. Are you thumbs downing the whole idea of t- of like this conversation? Like, this fucking sucks. Like, don't. <laughs> Don't clog my feed with your fucking sorrow. So on YouTube, right, where there was always a thumbs up and a thumbs down, it became it was established pretty early on. You could put a video of Thomas Jefferson himself reading the preamble to the Constitution, and there would be 17 people that thumbs downed it. Yeah. Right? Just because and then, I don't and then, know. And then people, then a, a huge number of people remarking on those yeah, people. Like, who would thumbs down this? 17 um, people have no heart. Have no heart, right? But that's at least that's baked into the to the that dumb interface, and the and the fact is, you know, we have like the ability to communicate now in real time, three dimensional, augmented reality. We do. I, I do because I'm 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 hooked in with the with the special class. Oh, we almost do, right? You could almost have. I could appear on your desk and say. <laughs> Merlin Juan Kenobi, help me. You're my only hope. And then I would go, bzz, bzz, bzz. Mm-hmm. And, and you'd be like, wow, we're there. We Little are John. there. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, a long time ago now in mm. a galaxy far away, except it's now and it's here. Mm. And yet we are still communicating with like semaphores, basically. And we only have two semaphores, a giant up thumb and, a, and now a giant down. Maybe we need some more fingers. I feel like you, you experienced this with your period, right? There has never been, like, there, we have all this emotional top end to our punctuation, mm-hmm. exclamation point, uh, hyphens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's this artificial floor of the period. There's nothing... There's no punctuation that goes below a period. So the period has become the default lowest rated, lowest rating. It's such a shame because um, when I'm writing something, you know, informally, like right now, just typing down like little notes and title things and where the Skype call died, uh, I don't feel the need to put a period at the end of every line. But to me, when I, when I see something that doesn't end with a period, I kind of read it, read it as a, a, an in, like an inchoate thought or as a title especially if it's in title case. But if I see something that's meant to be a sentence and it doesn't have a period, it, it bothers me. Like it's like leaving the, uh, the, the cap off the toothpaste. It's like that should, that should have a period because it's a sentence. And like, I don't know. And now, 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 for example, I am also one of those people. I mean, I'm not, I don't have a super strong opinion, but I do think, I still think it's funny when people use two spaces after a period when they're typing. You like, think that's funny? I think it's a little funny. I don't have a strong, I, I don't get mad about it. Did you how how were you educated? Well, when you typed on a typewriter, you had to because of the way that typing worked. It was the only way to really visually set it off from the sentence before. But at what point did you make the <clears throat> at what point did you make the transition to working on computers from typewriters? Uh, nineteen 
1987, 88, but I don't, I think I probably still, I'll bet you if I look at stuff I wrote in the eighties and even most of the nineties, I bet I didn't stop doing two spaces. I think I read a book, a book on, on, you know, I think it's called, uh, the, the Macintosh is not a typewriter was the name of the book, or it could be the don't steal sheep book, but you know, one of those books on typography for lay people and like how, you know, digital stuff is different from, uh, you know, typewriter stuff. So right. I probably didn't officially start doing it until the two thousands at some point. Right. But you see it. You can see it in somebody's... Uh, that's one way you can tell if somebody wrote it themselves. Is like if Robert Evans is out there, you know, and first of all, his sentences already make almost no sense, which is why it's great to follow him. Do you follow Robert Evans on Twitter? I did not know that Robert, Robert Evans was still alive. Do I follow, do I follow, do I follow Robert Evans? You do bet I, fo- you, do you, I follow Robert Evans? You bet your ass I do. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I did not know he was still well, alive. Well, it's funny because, you know, he's like 80-something. Yeah. And like, he'll just occasionally just show up and he's like a Markov chain or, or, or like some kind of – he's just like some kind of a bot. He just spews out this, this combination of, of words and memories and spaces and, and some names. And it'll just be some random memory. He'll quote himself. It'll just be some Friday night where suddenly he just has ten toots, and it's really funny. That's great. You know, the, the president of Kazakhstan is kind of like that. Oh, nice. Uh, he only tweets very periodically, but when he does, it's always like a total tweet storm. <laughs> Except generally, the tweet storm is like Kazakhstan still is leader of 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 corn harvest, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll do he'll do like ten or fifteen tweets touting the touting the fact that Kazakhstan has the greatest human rights record and is the only you know uh, the, the only country in the world. That is still like uh, processing saffron uh, on a on a like a industrial <laughs> scale, and I read these Pound things. Sign, just thanks, like, Kazakhstan. This place is amazing. This place sounds incredible, uh, but he's obviously never. No one has ever um, given. I mean, no one's ever read him his at replies. Well, yeah, and like he has. He probably has. Yeah, exactly. And he certainly hasn't had any kind of like a uh, half day course on on uh, social media. No, and he's also always writing in English. Not in. I bet his English is better than my whatever they speak in Kazakhstan. I think I think it is. Yeah, but what I mean, about the Turkmenistan guy? Is he still around? He was quite a character. He was what a kook. What a character. Uh, I think I think he's still. Well, I don't know. Did he change the names of the months to his family members? I mean, who hasn't done that at one point? <laughs> at least mentally. Um, but <laughs> welcome to the months of, the month of Madeline Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline Brewery, Ellen August. <laughs> I, uh, I I feel like the uh, the two period or the two space one space thing, and I know you don't want to get into this. I don't. Like, no, 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 I don't mind. I just want to say, like, I'm not here to go. Like, oh, everybody who does that's an idiot, and nah, everybody who thinks it's bad is bad. Nah. I just I don't I, I don't have a, you know three stars, three stars, three stars is right. But I, I but I feel like the, it is a thing that someone wrote in a book, right? Somebody 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 was sitting around in the 80s, and they were like, hey, computers aren't typewriters. Uh, and then they had some, they had some c- sort of, like, knowledge of kerning or something that they, <laughs> that they informed their thesis with. Mm-hmm. Like, because computers of kerning have type fonts and, <clears throat> um, and also a something and a theory. And, yeah. uh, and, and now I have created a problem that didn't previously exist so somewhat somewhat capricious yeah and they are Ar- arbitrary they wrote a book about it and all mm-hmm. the people that read the book initially were all of a of a class which is to say people who are reading computer books about 
kerning about typing and they were like yeah and then those were the first that's the first gen of people who decided that that was where they were going to plant their flag and then it became a thing where it's like oh you haven't read the book you didn't read you nobody's even told you about this it's like everybody in the computer world loves that kind of shit mm-hmm. where it's like it's not a question of oh hey you should read this it's a question of oh what you didn't read this and so then it turns into that. So all the second generation adopters of it are already adopting this new theory based on a premise that you're an idiot if you haven't done it. And then somewhere along the line, when the nerds took over the world, somewhere in the early 2000s, it's this, it's this thing that you can get upset about where it's like, why are you still doing that? Ugh. Yeah. And it all just started with some, it was just somebody's like herp derp. Yeah, but I mean, like another one, like GIF and GIF. It's like GIF and GIF. GIF and GIF. People get pretty passionate about that. Oh, yeah, GIF and GIF. I've, um, it's clearly GIF. I realized I was on the wrong side of history at yeah. a point. Oh. Uh, and I, was tr- I started saying it differently in the last year or so. And Did now you my say daughter. GIF now? No, I've always said GIF, but I've been told that's incorrect oh. by, by more people. The history has the tide of history has changed, and we used to say GIF, and now we say GIF, and so now my daughter my daughter refuses. She corrects me. She says, "No, it's it's animated GIF." So oh. now I've I've ruined my child too. Oh, now she says GIF. She's going to be an outcast. She's going to be out there putting periods on her on her text messages, and yeah, my understanding was always, and th- and this is what's so confusing about it was that this the, the the smart people, the insiders, said GIF, and the dummies, and the and the like tourists, and the moms said GIF. And I was firmly in the GIF camp, and I also the the dress was was gold and whatever. Like I was always on the wrong side of these things. Oh right, but I I, I, still, th- I thought the dress was gold. I, I saw gold and white. Yeah, but we're old. But then I looked at it on an iPad and I saw black and blue, and I felt like I was crazy. I never saw black and blue except when somebody did like here. Here's what it looks like black and blue. I was like, I see that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I do two spaces after a period because. I learned to type on a typewriter, and I can... Well, well, on, 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 on Twitter, you do that? Well, the thing is... I feel all, like I would notice that. That really reads as man over 50. The thing Here's the thing, though, right? The, the app, if you touch the, if you touch the <laughs> space bar twice, it puts a period in. Oh, right? It's, right. an, it's an mm-hmm. automatic function. So, I'm glad you know that. So, so precisely... Do you know what return does? Uh, um, does it go Nothing down? in the Twitter is it, app. Is it like a carriage? The Twitter return? app. The Twitter app is completely capricious about when you can use return, and it drives me crazy. Well, because I like white space. I like white space too, and I use so. But the thing is, I use like five Twitter clients on my five different devices, and none of and there's no there's no consistency between yeah. them. Yeah. But the fact that the fact that predictive text understands that two spaces equals a period. Like, I don't care how much white space they put in there. It's a reflex. It's like, click, click, yeah. and then you begin a new sentence. And 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 the predictive text understands that, and that's how it works. And so I continue to use two spaces happily because it puts a period in there magically. But if I'm, if I'm typing oh, on I a see. typewriter, yes, I do two clicks. Are you typing on a typewriter much these days? I mean... If I'm if I'm using a word processor. Oh, if you're on okay, a word processor. If you're on your Mac. If I'm on my Mac, but but I I I, I learned to type what 1980 80, 80, 81 on a, a IBM Selectric, and I continued to use manual typewriters 
all the way through the 90s, I only had, you know, and I had a computer, but it wasn't like connected to anything. If I wanted to, if I wanted to write something and hand it to somebody else, I would type it. I did that all the way through the 90s. Hmm. So I was still typing even after, um, and I still type, frankly, I have a typewriter at my house that I Hmm. will, I'll type things on. But anyway, it just it feels like I don't want I, I do want to wade into that and say that I am on a side. I am on the side of two spaces after a period. I think if you're typing, it makes absolute sense. But if then, you're on a typewriter. But then, uh, you know, I, I am not going to have two separate typing styles, one for my laptop and one for a typewriter. Like it's a, it's a one skill. It's a single skill. It's not like it's not like I'm on I'm on skis. And if I'm on red skis, I suddenly like. I'm doing back scratchers and on green skis. Oh, we are, I'm not terri- doing we are back terrible scratchers. with metaphors. I was going to say I wash my hands better after I wash chicken than carrots, but I realize that that doesn't make any sense. Listen, I wash my hands better after I wash God chicken too. This is, you're breaking up. Oh, no, really? <laughs> no. You're fine. <laughs> that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be my new ace in the hole. <laughs> Sorry, John. (laughs) You know who's going to love this episode? Mm, John (laughs) Serkin. We're out of here. That's it. Stop it. I can't take any more.